Powered by Righteous Media. Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 227. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. It's almost Father's Day. The Denver Nuggets have won the NBA Finals, and Trump has finally been arrested and indicted. And it's most definitely a time to stay vigilant. Good afternoon. Today, an indictment was unsealed, charging Donald J. Trump with felony violations of our national security laws, as well as participating in a conspiracy to obstruct justice. This indictment was voted by a grand jury of citizens in the Southern District of Florida. And I invite everyone to read it in full, to understand the scope and the gravity of the crimes charged. Just in time for Flag Day and just in time for Father's Day. Here it finally is. This is the big one. One thing is certain. If any of us who served in the military did with secret documents what Trump did, we'd have been locked up a long time ago. And now it's time for President Mayhem to face the music, hopefully. Maybe it's a step toward accountability. But it's also a very dark and disgraceful moment in America that we had a president that did what he did and acted the way he has These are dark times, people, and our enemies are celebrating. Because what he allegedly did absolutely compromised America's national security. That's the core of it. There's no excusing it and no defending it. He allegedly jeopardized our national security. There are no higher stakes, so he must be held accountable. And he's got to be prevented from ever doing it again. So read the indictment for yourself. Take the time to do it. Consider it a service to your country. It quoted him as saying, this is secret information. Look, look at this. He actually said that. And the partisans, hacks, enablers, and enemies of America are of course rushing to defend him, make excuses, and distract. Elon Musk tweeted, There does seem to be a higher interest in pursuing Trump compared to other people in politics, hmm? Well, Elon, maybe that's because compared to other people in politics, Trump breaks more laws. This indictment is proof that America is still a country of laws, and no one should be above them. No one. That's the critical and overdue message that this indictment sends to our entire country and to the world. America still has a long, hard, dangerous, and potentially violent road ahead. One that could last for years or even decades. But after years of falling, this might be the bottom. And this could be the time we bounce off bottom and finally start to rebuild our country and our global reputation. So it's a time to stay vigilant and a time to stay frosty because stakes is high. 
stakes is high. And American integrity is under attack from Trump to Elon Musk to the Oath Keepers to Tucker Carlson to the traitors at the PGA. And I've been in the media a bit in the last week calling out the PGA, echoing what you heard in the last episode of this show with 9-11 survivor Rob Sarah. And as I finished my weekly interview last week with Nicole Wallace on MSNBC, I saw a text message to me as a 9-11 first responder from the World Trade Center Health Registry that was established thanks to the Zadroga Act, which was established thanks in part to Rob Sarah. But here's what it said. Mount Sinai World Trade Center. New York State is currently experiencing very poor air quality. If possible, stay indoors and limit outdoor activities. Check airnow.gov for more info and updates. If you experience any trouble breathing, please go to your nearest urgent care or emergency room. So as we shared in the last episode with Rob, the smoke that hit the east coast of America hit us first responders especially hard. And the PGA should have taken notice. And all Americans should take notice and stand with us and America in boycotting the PGA. The PGA has sold out America and 9-11 first responders, and Rob and I were just two of the people who candidly shared more about our feelings in the last few weeks. We're keeping it real because people need to understand. Because this weekend for Father's Day, Rob's wife won't have her dad there because he was murdered on 9-11. And that murder was possible thanks to help from the Saudi government that now wants to sports wash its image by buying the American flag in one of our single biggest sports leagues. The smoke really sucks for 9-11 first responders. That's the real deal. And the real deal is that the smoke really sucks for 9-11 first responders, but also for many folks that were kids when it happened. 9-11 survivors. The sick children of 9-11 are often forgotten. Many of them were in grade school and high school when they were exposed. Lila Nordstrom was one of them, and she's a voice for all of them. She's the founder of Sty Health, an advocacy group for alumni of the schools that were impacted by 9-11 and the resulting cleanup. She connects 9-11 survivors nationwide to health services and other support. That school, Stuyvesant High School, is just a few blocks from where I'm talking to you from right now. And she joined Rob back on the Firefighters podcast for a must-hear episode number 14 that I'll link to in the show notes, and you've got to check it out. Because kids are often hit the hardest and are often forgotten. But the Saudi regime is smart. They're ignoring the voices of people like me and Rob and Lila. And because they're smart, they're often quiet. They do their work in the shadows. But they bought a sports league that has no shortage of loud idiots. And in a comment that might even make Senator Redneck, Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville, wince, golfer Bryson DeChambeau suggested this week that the families of 9-11 victims should move forward, especially in forgiveness. That's what he said. Check out this CNN interview he did while drinking an energy drink. I'm not shitting you. He was actually drinking an energy drink in between answers in this interview. Check it out. And the group put out a statement today saying, quote, the PGA in Monaghan, referring to the commissioner, appeared to have become just more paid Saudi shills, taking billions of dollars to cleanse the Saudi reputation. How do you respond to that? 
Well, I think we'll never be able to repay the families back for what exactly happened uh, just over 20 years ago. And what happened was is definitely horrible. And I think as time has gone on, 20 years is, is passed and we're in a place now where it's time to start trying to work together to make things better together as a whole. Um, I have deep sympathy. I don't know exactly what they're feeling. I can't ever know what they feel, but I have a huge amount of respect for their position and what they believe, um, nor do I ever want anything like that to ever occur again. I think as we move forward from that, we've got to look towards the pathway to peace, uh, especially in forgiveness, especially if we're trying to mend the world and make it a better place. Uh, I think this is what they're trying to accomplish. Liv is trying to accomplish. Um, the PIF is trying to accomplish. We're all trying to accomplish is a better yeah. world for everybody and a way to provide but great entertainment not- for everybody around the world. So Bryson DeChambeau was reportedly paid more than $125 million to join the Live Golf Tour. That's $125 million. That sure would go a long way to help Lila and the other kids who were at Stuyvesant High School during 9-11 when DeChambeau was eight years old. Move forward from our dead family and friends and all our ailments and dying friends. Tell Rob Sarah and his family exactly how they should move forward from this. It's not about entertainment, dude. It's not about golf. It's about greed. It's about a lack of integrity. It's about selling out your country so you can buy another Bentley and chug more energy drinks. Our friends are dying. And DeChambeau is another sellout and another reason to boycott PGA. And ding, 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 we have our first PGA winner. And I'm sure there will be others. But DeChambeau, you, sir, are the first on this issue. So congratulations. You're not winning a major, but you are winning another very unique and difficult to obtain title. You, sir, are the awardee of this magnificent and appropriate award and this song. I drive really slow in the ultra-fast lane while people behind me are going Yes, Bryson DeChambeau is our asshole of the week. We're finding out lately how many people love golf and or money more than they love their country. You know who you are. And others will reveal themselves and be revealed, just like those who are still trying to defend Trump. I'm going to lose friends over this one. Probably rich friends who will make a buck while other friends of mine are dying. But if you're educated about this, There's no room for neutrality. A lot of you have told me that in the last couple of days. And you know that either you're with us or you're against us. And there's one thing that was pretty underreported about this whole situation. There's one PGA player who's also an Air Force Academy grad. His name is Kyle Westmoreland. And he made a comment about the PGA live sellout. He attended the player meeting with tour commissioner and American sellout Jay Monahan, Westmoreland a captain in the Air Force, put his dreams of playing in the PGA Tour on hold for five years while he served his country. And he was in the players' meeting with Monaghan. Apparently, Westmoreland spoke briefly, but his words carried weight. He said, real quick, Jay, being prior military, this is a joke. And he went on to say more with Golf Week. He said, being part of the military, you can imagine where my thoughts fall on it. 
I'm a small fish in this, he added. Typical business first, moral ethics second. Current leadership has to figure out how to take ownership and convince the players, the members, that this is the right thing going forward. But I think it's an uphill battle. Now, he's a lot more diplomatic about it than I am. And I, like many veterans especially, would like to hear much more from Kyle Westmoreland about all this right now. And of course, I invite him to be on this show. But we're going to be watching to see what he says. And if he does, I will be sure to let you know. Calling all Autobots. Calling all Autobots. Yes, my fellow Autobots. And there are a few other issues that should also stay on your radar. We're going to keep a focus on our independent movement, which continues to grow and transform to defend, kind of like the Autobots. But the independent Americans movement is rising up. Now We may not be ready to win the White House yet. But more and more independent leaders are emerging and winning at every level of American politics. And Mayor of Colorado Springs, Yemi Mombalati, is the best and most powerful recent example. I've talked about him before on this show. Independent doesn't mean the middle. It means none of the above. It's not a new party. It's no party. Because America isn't a party. It's a mission. And our great American democracy must be defended and improved now. The stakes have never been higher. The future of our democracy is at stake, and it can't be left to either political party. And here in New York, another primary is coming on June 27th that will determine my city council representative. But since there's no viable Republican or Independent and no final five voting, whoever wins this primary on June 27th gets the seat, and it's over. And as an Independent... I can't vote in it, so I have no input whatsoever in who becomes my city council representative. That's bullshit. That's un-American. That's bad for democracy. That's a misuse of public tax funds and resources that make private elections possible. But it's not just in New York. But it shows in painful clarity why we need a final five single nonpartisan open New York City primary election in which all candidates and voters participate regardless of their political party registration. And it's why we need open primaries in every state. And the battle goes on. Oklahoma is another political battleground state for our fight for open primaries that you must keep on your radar. And this week, the Washington Post editorial board endorsed the effort to bring open primaries and ranked choice voting to Washington, D.C. But this movement, is bigger than one city, one state, or one election. It's about protecting and improving our democracy, giving us more and better leaders, and creating a more fair system that gives every American voter a voice. Whether you're one of the millions of independent Americans or not, this is something you should support. It will empower your fellow citizens and strengthen our future as a nation. So join us. Support Final Five in New York City. Support open primaries nationwide in Oklahoma and in Washington, D.C. And let us vote. Especially as this great fragmentation of American politics continues. We are never, ever, ever getting back. 
I wish I could vote in New York City in our primaries. I also wish I could vote in the PGA, which I hope will have its own great fragmentation soon, too. Tiger, we're still looking at you. But the PGA leadership right now is full of cowards and sellouts. But not everyone is selling out America to the Saudis, who are definitely very much like the Decepticons. And some who are doing the right thing aren't even American, including the biggest soccer star in the world. World Cup hero and global soccer icon and legend Lionel Messi said no to the Saudis. He said no to their big money. He did what the PGA did not. And instead of going to Saudi, he's coming to Miami. And this is amazing. This is huge for soccer, for Messi, for America, and for the exploding American soccer wave, for my kids, and for so many others. Unlike the shameless PGA, Messi resisted the temptation to completely sell out his integrity to the Saudi regime. This is the opposite of what the PGA did. So what a couple days of contrast. And bravo, Leo. Welcome to America. And welcome to Miami. Now, Miami has won the messy lottery, but they lost the NBA Finals. After a gallant fight, Jimmy Buckets Butler and the inspiring number eight seed Miami Heat finally ran out of fire. Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets have prevailed in dominant fashion, in an inspiring fashion. Denver now has its first NBA title, and America has fallen in love with Jokic, also known as the Joker, and his overwhelmingly adorable one-year-old daughter, Ogjina, whose name means fiery in Serbian. It was a beautiful scene in Denver as they won the championship and Jokic carried his little girl all around the entire celebration. It's over now, and I miss basketball already. But what a fun game. And what a fun season. This has really been a golden age for NBA superstars who are also good men, good role models, and good fathers beyond the court. Jokic, Giannis, Curry, Butler, LeBron, and many others. The bad stuff in the NBA often gets the headlines, but there are many players now that are good fathers, that are good people, and that our kids can look up to. Jokic carried his little girl the whole time. He's clearly a good dad, and we need those examples. Dads who are loving, involved, focused, generous, curious, kind, and supportive. The kind of dad every kid should have, and the kind of dad guys like me hope to be. Dads that would do anything for their kids. And as so many dads and moms continue to do inside Ukraine. The great Ukrainian offensive looms and is partially underway. The fighting is intensifying, and even if most of the American media is taking their focus off of Ukraine this week due to Trump, I will not. It's too important. It's still the biggest story in the world and the most important fight of our time. Russian forces continue to fire cruise missiles all across Ukraine. 
They're shelling the Donetsk region, and they're continuing to kill people and damage homes and buildings all across the country. But Ukraine has claimed the recapture of seven villages in the early stages of the counteroffensive. But meanwhile, the humanitarian situation is even worse than before. UN Secretary General Martin Griffiths said that an extraordinary 700,000 people in Ukraine are in need of drinking water and warned that the floods after this dam explosion by the Russians were going to lead to lower grain exports, higher food prices around the world, and less food to eat for millions in need around the world. But NATO and the U.S. are stepping up, as we should. Biden and the U.S. have earmarked another $325 million in new military aid to Ukraine, and now the U.S. has sent F-22 fighter jets to the Middle East, in response to increasingly unsafe activity from Russian aircraft in the region. CENTCOM said a release saying that they're deploying the F-22 Raptors to demonstrate our ability to, quote, reposture forces and deliver overwhelming power at a moment's notice. The Russians have gotten much more aggressive in the Middle East, and this is something that should definitely stay on your radar because it's on CENTCOM's radar. Russian flights have increased over Syria in intensity and in aggression. Russian pilots have also tried to dogfight U.S. jets over Syria recently, maybe attempting to provoke the U.S. into starting an incident. The Ukrainians are the heroes of our time, fathers and mothers that are leading the world in the biggest battle of our time against the darkest, most dangerous, and most disgusting of all foes. Sort of like another group of heroes the world has come to love, over the last generation. Transformers Rise of the Beasts is the biggest movie in the world right now. And in the film, the Autobots and Optimus Prime are back. And they're linking up with the Maximals and Optimus Primal to fight a massive, nasty, evil enemy determined to destroy and eat our entire world. And a scrappy, diverse, creative, overmatched group unites together to stand up and save the world. It's a story for our times. And a story for all times. And the voice of the hero is the voice of a real hero. A man who says what he thinks, believes deeply in our country, and never pulls a punch. Actor and activist, Ron Perlman. If you're not angry, you're not paying attention. I've been saying it for years. And actor and activist Ron Perlman was one of the very first guests to join me on this show over 200 episodes ago, back in episode 3 in 2019. He joined us again in 2020 and was, of course, righteously angry about the state of our nation and in particular about Trump. But it's been a while. It's been too long. And while he's still righteously angry, he's even more thoughtful, more focused, and more insightful than ever. Ron is known and loved worldwide for his popular roles in Son of Anarchy, Hellboy, Beauty and the Beast, Archer, and much more. 
And the last time he joined us, he was commanding another huge global audience while we all watched his fiery and personal Twitter fight with Florida Congressman and ridiculous radical Matt Gates and fool Texas Senator Ted Cruz. It got nasty, it got personal, and it got attention all around the globe. And Ron took us behind the scenes of that wild weekend that had him trending on Twitter, challenged to a wrestling match with a congressman, and making political headlines nationwide. He never pulls punches. And he gave us a fascinating insight into the bizarre, bare-knuckle intersection that is his life on Twitter, politics, Trump, Hollywood, activism, and celebrity. And now, he'll take you inside another fun world, the world of Transformers, and into Brooklyn last week with me for the huge premiere of the new Transformers movie. He'll also talk about the new Trump indictment, Red and Blue America, his deep and diverse fan base, why he's hopeful for the future, and whether he'll run for president again, or maybe even mayor. Ron is another important, inspiring, and iconic leader that shapes what America was, what it is, and what it will be. And just like Optimus Prime and Optimus Primal, he embodies the five eyes of this show and our movement. Independence, integrity, information, inspiration, and impact. The voice of the hero the world needs. A man of a thousand faces. An icon with a global following. A master storyteller. And an entertainingly unpredictable fire spitter. With never any bullshit. With the world in peril. And Trump indicted. This incredibly popular returning guest is letting it fly. This is a time for independence, but this is not a time for neutrality. It's time to answer the call. Calling all Autobots. Calling all Autobots. Are you going to get with this, or are you going to get with that? The choice is yours. You can get with this, or you can get with that. You can get with this, or you can get with that. You can get with this, or you can get with that. Welcome to Brooklyn, 1994. Welcome to America, 2023. Welcome to the fight for our future. Welcome to the battle of our time. Of all the threats. From both your past and future. You've never faced anything like this. Let them come. It's time to answer the call. Welcome to Independent Americans, episode 227. Ladies and gentlemen, independent Americans around the country and around the world, summer's now really here, and in response, I'm bringing the fire. I am bringing one of our most popular guests of all time, a voice of clarity, reason, power, humor, humility, just awesome, uh, one of my favorite people 
to talk to about anything, but especially about the news of the world. The great and powerful Ron Perlman is finally back on Independent Americans. Welcome back, sir. So thrilled to be with you, Paul, as, as always. And um, um, just hoping to live up to a fraction of that magnificent introduction. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, I just want to say, you, you uh, for folks watching on video, you should definitely watch on video. Ron's got some beautiful, are they literally rose-colored sunglasses, Ron? They look like they're, they're actually readers. They're, they look like sunglasses, but they're readers. Um, and um, they can be yours for just, you know, a, a whopping $1,275. <laughs> <laughs> my wife, my wife found these designer readers, and I said, "Why should you have those when I don't?" So I rectified. Well, I feel like we need to see the world through rose-colored glasses right now. That's why. And, the, and, and, and they're also rose-colored glasses. So um, I know, you know, we're going to get into some stuff. So I'm trying to give myself at least some semblance of <laughs> positivity here. And you've got, we talked about, you've got a, a horizontal shot here. Sorry, a vertical shot. Uh, with black parts on the side, which is your preferred shot here as as a very yeah. highly respected and established actor. I want to make sure this shot is to your liking. No, I love the shot and I love the black parts on the side. Um, I'll, I'll, we'll bring the gray, um, I hope. But, um, you know, you'll never appreciate the gray unless you have a little black and white in your life. I love it, man. I love it. Uh, a lot to get into. I want to talk about the Trump madness. I want to talk about what's going on in America. I want to talk about Transformers, which is the biggest film in the world. Um, I want to, of course, just kind of give you the ball and let you run with it. But first of all, I got to thank you, man, because uh, last week you were extremely generous in the way you always are, that many folks may not know, but you're a generous and kind and giving person. And you very graciously invited me and my little crew and my son to come join you for the Transformers premiere in Flatbush, Brooklyn, which was fucking bonkers. Yeah, and I was it was it was um, a delight to have you and Ryder there. Um, I hope I'm not giving away too much by, by naming one of your um, one of your uh, offspring. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, I had a great time. It was, it's great to celebrate um, anything that one gets to. Uh, as an accomplishment, um, because I'm, I'm at that point where I'm really, really grateful for the fact that I'm still in the game. I have so much great stuff to uh, to think back on, and it, it, it's so much of it is just a pure matter of good fortune. And so when you can, and, and when you got people like you, 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 you expressed at some point some sort of. Um, you and your crew, some sort of like real love for Transformers. I said, my God, this is too good to be true. Here I am, you know, without a plus one in, in New York City for this magnificent premiere. Who better to be at my side than the great Paul Rykoff and crew? Well, it was, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a memory that we will have forever. I mean, the film has this like core in Brooklyn and it's happening in 1994, which is the year after I graduated high school. It has the best soundtrack that I've heard since like Pulp Fiction, which I thought had this amazing soundtrack, but this like incredible late 90s New York City hip hop soundtrack. It's in Flatbush 
and my seven-year-old son, I think this was the first PG-13 movie he ever went to in his life. And a couple of moments, he was a little scared. It was intense. And I said to him, don't worry, Optimus Primal is right next to us. Ron is right next to us. But you heard him scream a couple times because it's such a fun, fun film, man. They were good screams. <laughs> they were the right kind of screams. And, you know, wow. First ever PG-13 movie, you know, and having like two Gs, you know, who have his back uh, right there. Uh, I mean, I remember first time I screamed in the movie theater and uh, thank God my dad was right alongside me because I knew he could handle whatever came. And uh, that's a great feeling to have when you're in that, in that space where like, I'm not so sure about this. I'm not sure I can handle this, Pop. Um, yeah, you got it. You got it. Yeah, yeah, but it was really, it was really cool. And to have it in Brooklyn with so many people from the community there to celebrate the culture and celebrate the film. And, you know, there's these great Transformer moments like when Bumblebee first comes on screen and the whole crowd just erupts like thousands of people going crazy. And we brought my friend Martin Snow, who's from Flatbush, Brooklyn. He's a great boxing teacher. Brought two of my other friends, Jason and Jackson, who were uh, working in film and acting in Brooklyn. And they were so inspired to be around you. But um, can you talk about, you know, this film is huge, right? It's the biggest film on the planet. We got to meet Peter Dinklage, which was a great honor. You got Pete Davidson in it. You got this really fun and dynamic cast. But can you talk about um, just the magnitude of this project and what you've seen so far out there talking about it? Um, full disclosure, first Transformers movie I have ever seen. So um, very auspicious way to enter into the franchise to actually you know, be the one on the poster with the green eyes. Um, but I was, uh, I didn't know what to expect. I, you know, when you do these things, when you when you're a voice in, an, in a, a movie that's partially animated, partially live action, but you're just doing voice work, you're you're coming in completely solo uh, in a series of uh, of, of uh, contributions that you have no idea what it's going to add up to because you're only seeing piecemeal, and though and then uh, then there's that big night. And you don't know whether you're going to be invited. You don't know whether your part is, is, is commensurate with a, with a with an actual invitation, where they actually fly you across the country and send a limo for you, and all the stuff that actually happened. And then, and then said, by the way, who's your guest list? And I go, really? I can bring friends. To I mean, it was like so. I was experiencing this on a fanboy level, as well as on like um, curious, like uh, you know. What is this going to mean to my overall body of work? Um, and I couldn't believe how good the movie was. I couldn't believe how good everybody's performance was. I couldn't believe how seamless the CGI work was from transforming these, these at one minute you're in a vehicle and another minute you're a superhero and how seamless those transitions were and how deft everyone was with, with, taking the state of the art of what's available in cinema, part, part of which I rail against because I'm, I'm a guy who basically is a John Ford guy who, you know, who, who, who kind of like has a, an ambivalence about how much technology has kind of come in to, to put his finger on the scale of, of how we explore our humanity. Um, 
and here here I am, you know, in the quintessential state of the art, like up to the minute. There's nothing you can do on film that this movie doesn't do, and it really delivers, and it really works, and it really maintains the humanity um, of the story and the plight of of these kind of like, you know, couple of little mortals who are just a couple of you know brats from Brooklyn who are up against you know the idea of saving mankind and how they you know you're not manipulated into thinking they rise to the occasion they actually organically do and I, I was watching this next to you for the first time and experiencing all of this and I'm telling you man I'm really proud to be part of this franchise now I'm really part proud to be in this particular film people's performances blew me away um from top to bottom, whether it was the voice performance of like a Pete Davidson or a Peter Dinklage or Anthony Ramos and Dominique, um, you know, who, who are handling the live action portion of it. So thrilling, thrilling evening um, and a great, great, uh, like, feel like real feather in my cap. Well, you picked the right one, man. This is my favorite one. I think it's a lot of people's favorite one. Um, and you've played a lot of characters that have kind of r risen to the moment. And I, I want to talk about the character that you're the voice of Optimus Primal, because we're introduced to the Maximals, which are like these animals that came before the Autobots. And initially there's conflict, but now it's like you're the you're the the Maximal version of Optimal Prime, Optimus Prime, who everybody knows from from the franchise. But you're like the ultimate good guy. I mean, you're the, you're the, the wise old um, Optimus Primal who, who, you know, leads this group in, in saving the world. But you've been a part of Hellboy. You've been a part of Sons of Anarchy. You've been a part of stuff with a very deep following. And to see the following around this film merge with you, I think, is, is really exciting. Because one of the coolest parts, and I think I told you that night, was we went to an after party. And I carried my sleeping seven-year-old to a fancy Manhattan after party. Um, but the fans interacting with you, all kinds of people. And I actually want to talk about this in a larger political perspective in a minute, but you get love from very deep and dedicated audiences um, that are very diverse. And this film has got two great young actors um, who are not white, who are, who, are, who are from Brooklyn, who are kind of leading this charge uh, for, for humanity. But Optimus Primal, I mean, this has got to be one of the coolest characters you've played in a long string of very cool characters. And, and it was very much a surprise to me as to when I first got the call to appear in this, I think it was because they wanted to introduce the idea of these Maximals in a kind of a, a minor key into this film. And they knew, they knew that I had at one point, I hadn't remembered this, but they knew that at one point I had played Optimus Primal in some sort of either Saturday morning cartoon or web series version of of Transformers, there's a lot of iterations along the way. And so, you know, let's, let's see if Ron wants to do this. It was a really small role. So what I was blown away by is how uh, heroic and how consequential the character is in this particular story of like, and you pointed this out while we were watching it because it was like, we're, you know, the, the, the overall running theme of the film is we're, we're, we're all in this together or we're all in this separately. You know, I just did a, a movie with Matt Damon 
where I play the mayor of Boston and he quotes Benjamin Franklin says, we all, we, we either hang together or we'll most assuredly hang separately. Mm-hmm. And if there's ever a, a kind of a study in the fact that you have all of these diverse worlds who all have their separate agendas and who all have their own kind of mantras of what survival looks like and what the dominance that one needs in order to maintain survival looks like, realizing that there's this common threat that we better put our differences aside because otherwise it will obliterate all of us. This is what this movie kind of does. And, you know, it's a metaphor for so many of the things that you on this show, your show, your brilliant show, uh, aspires to addressing, which is um, we, are, we are supposedly e pluribus unum. We are supposedly the United States of America. You know, how do we, how do we inch closer to that aspiration, to that, that promise that has never been kind of fully realized? And um, anytime you get a piece of culture that addresses that, but addresses it in a, in a way that's subtle, where you don't feel like you're being handed a, a, a tablespoon of medicine, but you feel like you're being handed a tremendous amount of entertainment value, but you're still getting the message along the way. You have to be grateful for that. And, 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 and I've been in the game long enough to know the difference between what's a manipulation and what's something that's organically um, beautifully rendered. Yeah, and, it, and I, I think we talked about this a bit afterward, that there's kind of this um, this storyline that I think is in some ways reflective of America right now. You've got this looming imminent threat that is Omicron and this evil scourge guy, right, played by Dinklage's voice, which is a dastardly uh, dude that wants to eat the world, right, and, and kill everybody and annihilate. And then you've got these two groups that have to unite that are sort of aligned but don't really know each other. And I don't know if anybody has talked about this or written about this, but the Autobots are urban, right? They're coming from Brooklyn. They're, they're vehicles. They're in the cities and in the streets. And then you've got the Maximals that are almost rural, right? They're in the woods and, and they're animals and they've got it and they're different, very different, but they've got to line up. And, and your character has this like very deep and wise humility that kind of drives it forward, but they got to get together. They're very different. They're from different eras, different times, different places, but they got to get together to fight this common enemy or they're fucked. And, and it's, it, it's, I think, a really important broader context for what's happening in America right now, what's happening facing an evil threat like Putin um, and what it's like to face, you know, autocracy and, and fascism around the world. Um, have you thought about that since we talked about it and since the film? We're always kind of fascinated by, um, I, at least I, I am, and more so these days because um, existentially we've never been more threatened by our own um kind of um not taking responsibility for our civic duties which is to understand fundamentally the difference between a republic a democratically elected republic um which honors the rule of law and and, and an entity that is purely based on power on a lust for power and then, and, and, then, and then there's all these other sublusts that come with power, which is wealth, which is um, 
the ability to crush your enemies, the ability to, um, but, but there's no ideology to any of those things, which makes them, and, 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 and that's what's coming into full relief in the, in the, especially in the last six to seven or eight years, because we now have had a leader in our own country that aspires to something that's completely a-ideological, unideological. There's no ideology to, to Trump except the, 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 the accumulation of power and wealth. And you can't even, you don't even know which one is more important to it, but it's, 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 it's purely narcissistic. There's no um, nuance to it. There's no humanity to it. There's no um, compassion to it. There's nothing that reflects the greater angels that we have been pointed to aspire to. All of the things that all of our religions have been built to kind of address, which is love thy neighbor, which is, you know, self-sacrifice, which is all these. I mean, we're talking about a guy who thinks, a guy like you who put on the uniform and, and did a few tours is a fucking sucker for like, why would you put yourself in harm's way when you can sit down and maybe work for me and I'll pay all your bills and you'll, you'll live in a cushy place, maybe piss into a gold toilet. You know, what the fuck are you thinking, man? And if we lived in a world where there was nobody like you who even has some sort of fractional impulse to sacrifice himself for something bigger and greater than you, which is this concept of, of keeping a country free and at liberty and being able to aspire to um, all of the, the, the kindnesses that come with that promise, then we'd be fucked. Mm. And we, and, and, and so, and then you, you see this guy come along and he's put us in this place where we're inches away because of, you know, um, the, the, the lust for the power that this, his entire party has now been turned on to. If we could just maintain power and all we got to do is just basically say this fucking rapist scumbag guy who steals fucking nuclear secrets and probably sells them to the Saudis for $2 billion for his fucking son-in-law. If we could, if we could just stay in line with him, we can maintain the power. What we're going to do with it? Who gives a fuck? We got it. And we got to fucking, we get to fucking tell people what they can read and what they can listen to and who they can love and who they can't love. And that they're going to fucking get raped at 10 years old and carry that baby. We get to listen to Sharia fucking law, which is so far. I've gone on a tangent, Paul. You asked me a simple question about Transformers and I had no idea it was going to end up being this. But basically, Omicron, is that his name? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, the character that Peter Dinklage plays has no ideology. He only has um, this insatiable need to, for power and to destroy and to break down because, and, it, and, and, and it's because he's essentially fucking weak mm. and he has zero core and he's never been given the ability to understand what love is and uh, what friendship is, and what generosity is, and what loyalty is. And if you're telling me that those things aren't important, and there's a lot of people in this motherfucking country right now that are trying to tell me that those things are useless because you can't quantify them, and you can't put a, a, a money, monetary value on them, 
fuck you. I'm coming for you. See, I was going to say at some point, okay, here's the ball, run with it. But you, you're good at grabbing it and running with it on your own, and that's part of why I love you and part of why I know your fans and people around this country love you because you, 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 you say what you feel, what's in your heart, but you also channel a lot of what I think other people are feeling and saying. I think it's beyond partisanship. It's beyond geography. There's a part of the film that I think is really relevant, which is that a huge part of the early part of the film is people saying, hey, this threat is real. Hey, it's coming. Wake the fuck up. It's, it's this dangerous. It's this big. And I feel like some of us have been in that position really since Trump started to rise and, and identifying the national security threat component as the biggest part of that. And now, finally, I think people are, are starting to understand that he's not just a political story. He's a national security story and he's endangering our national security. And, it, and it's about, in my view, you know, hopefully bouncing off bottom now, because I've said, I've long said, I don't think we'll have respect in the world like we used to until he does a perp walk, until he's in handcuffs or he's behind bars. And people used to laugh at me. They say, oh, it's not possible. I said, look, this guy is so sloppy that, it, that it's not only possible, it's likely. It's just a matter of whether or not we bring the charges, whether or not we, we put him in front of the law. And I'm actually... You know, it's a sad moment, but I'm encouraged to see that he's got to stand there. He's got to get digitally fingerprinted. He's going to have to stand up in court. He might still get the nomination and win, but there may be more charges to come. And I think at least now, more than during the Nixon era, more than other times, as low as it is, there's also this power of hope that that maybe we can hold him accountable, or at least we're trying to hold him accountable. And I think that that is, is absolutely vital right now. But I wonder... Ron, for you, you know, we talked about this last time you were on the show was way back in 2020. Um, what, what did you what were you thinking and feeling when you saw this unfold yesterday where he's, you know, got his motorcade going into the courthouse? Um, what you know, you've always been really good at kind of sizing him up as a human and, and breaking that part of him down. But what were you thinking and feeling when you saw that that scene unfold? I'm still holding my breath because. Simply, I mean, there's the possibility of all the things you just listed. He very well stood, still could delay this, this um, meeting with destiny long enough so that he does, in fact, become the front runner and does, in fact, run. And, you know, there's zero possibility he's going to win in my estimation. But there, as long as he's at large, he's a threat. And, and as long as he's a threat, then vigilance doesn't get a chance to take a nap or take a, a take a, a five minute smoke break. You have to be on it 24 seven. So you and I had a, a really interesting exchange the night of the, of the premiere where I said to you, um, so far the system is holding, right? You know, as much as he's been an assault on everything that's decent about how this country was conceived and, and what we like ultimately are supposed to aspire to. He's been an assault on every single facet of it. And his heroes are scumbags, you know, like Putin and Duarte and, you know, all these, you know, punk thug, you know, dime store Mussolini's. And that's who he wants to be. He wants to be king. He wants to have unlimited power. He, he wants to do everything that's the antithesis of the United States. And the reason why my heart breaks um, in particular is because of 
how big his following is. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, 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 I'm mad at him, but I'm heartbroken that there are that many people in this country that don't, don't understand what this country is or that would have this country be something in the image of that ugliness. And um, as long as we live with that existential threat, we need to be really, really visual, vigilant. And we cannot celebrate the perp walk until, you know, um, he, he gets the, the, the sentence and he's put away. And everybody realizes, you try this shit in this country, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And it's going to happen regardless of how long it takes or what the sausage making looks like or how, how, how lugubrious it is or how, um, um, you know, um, uh, inexact it is or how unswift it is. Regardless of all that, we need to act. And I, I actually think that, that there have been conversations in high levels. And this is another thing you and I kind of exchanged on that night where they said, there's no way we can still expect to have a country and let this pass. We have to get him. We have to get him, no matter what it takes. We have to get him. We have to bring him down. We have to send a message that um, you try this shit in the United States of America, which is a country of laws and a country of men and a country of representative government. And you're going to go in a put away for a long time in a very dark place where you have no longer a voice. And um, that's how I see it. Yeah, I think that that's it. And, and we have to stop him because he's still a threat. I mean, it's, it's Omicron in the film. Like until he is defeated or neutralized or eliminated in whatever way is, is required, he's a threat. And I think to your point, he has this very deep following. And that's why I say, you know, it's not just about whether or not he wins. Um, oh, did I lose you there, Ron? I'm still here. Okay, sorry. I'm having a, I'm having a couple of technical issues here before. So uh, I may have to, uh, can I pause for a second? Sure, I, I still hear and see you, but okay, you can pause. Okay, it looks like uh, the, the, the evil gods are going to make me upgrade. Otherwise, we're going to run out. So Go let me oh, pause Oh, I see. Here. I see. <laughs> let me pause here for a second. Okay. Um, give me one second. I should be able to knock this out. Take, You're your take, own engineer, take, aren't you? But I'm fucking everything, dude. I'm everything. I'm everything. All right, hold on. You know what I'm actually going to have to do? This is going to be fun. I'm going to actually, like, put in my credit card while we do this. This is amazing. You want to uh, borrow mine? I, I still got a couple of, of dude, credits on mine. I owe you beers after last week. I don't want you to pay for anything. I think I got it. That should do it. Let's see if this works. If this works, this is like one of my best technical challenges yet. This is awesome. I love it. This is independent media, man. This you is talk about independent media. You talk about the sausage making. This, this is, is independent it. media. Okay, yes. Uh, Zoom, you can have my $15, you fuckers. Uh, okay. $15. There you go. Okay. So Zoom is meeting not now a public has unlimited meeting minutes. Okay, so we're back at it here. We just outed Zoom. It's not a public service after yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. Fucking bastards. All right, so I'll edit that, or maybe we won't. I don't know. Whatever you want. No, to I edit. think we keep that fucking. <laughs> but as long but, as your as long as your credit card numbers aren't. Yeah, as long as the, the Russians probably have this all anyway. So anyway, the, the, the good part all. is 
I don't have much to take, so they, they won't go far with that with that card. Um, but this point about he has a following that is deep and loyal, and whether or not he wins, they are still angry, have deep grievance, are well organized, and have guns. And the thing I wanted to ask you to talk about that we talked about a bit last week when we hung out is um, this is a time like in the movie where unlikely voices have to rise up and try to join the fight in whatever way they can. I made this 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 plea to you um, because I think people need independent voices, meaning especially voices that aren't in politics. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger has been really resonant lately. People like The Rock can have influence you are, you know, I think most of your fans have no idea what your politics are. They love you in large part for the characters you play, which are often tough and smart and populist and real and authentic, right? In many ways, I think you're a better fit for a populist candidate from New York than Trump is. But you have an ability to connect with people that are deep red and deep blue. And I saw it when we were out at the bar, when we were walking and getting in the car, people are watching the kind of people that come up to you. And I said this to you, I'm like, it is literally a cross section of America. And I've seen few people who have that kind of connection. So um, how do you think about your audiences? Like think about, when I think about Sons of Anarchy, it's like, I feel like half the characters in that, if they were real, would be a January 6th, right? I mean, is, how, how do you think about your audience in particular and how you might uniquely be able to reach people that, frankly, nobody else can get to except for some of these folks that, that you know, let's use Trump supporters in particular. You might be able to get to Trump supporters in a way that literally nobody else can. I think ultimately it's I, I travel all over the country and all over the world and I very rarely meet assholes or mean-spirited people. I meet people who are smiling and who want to hug and who want to put their arm around me and who want to take a selfie and who want to talk about it. And my conclusion to all of this is I see all this ugliness on the news because I'm a news junkie and I, you know, I'm a political junkie. Um, and I understand you know, the, the, that kind of fringe of society that... Um, is ready to take their grievances and actualize them. Um, but I but I think that um, there's this kind of fundamental uh, desire deep in people's hearts, whether they be red or blue or whatever their thing is, to be patriotic, to love this country, and to aspire to justice, to aspire to a, a level playing field. So, you know, I basically tailor all of my messages whenever I do tweet, and I tweet a lot less frequently than I used to, but I basically tailor it all to identifying beautiful things about this beautiful country and saying, you can have this if you just take a moment to understand what you got to do to help make it happen. That's what representative government is. Nobody's gonna sit there and, and make wave a magic wand and take all your problems away. You're gonna have to do that. But you're gonna have to do it in a way where you, you don't feel like you're the victim. You don't feel like, you, you, don't, you don't use the excuse of like, well, it's me against them, so fuck them. You know, That's where this grievance politics emanates from. 
And, um, but I feel that there's a fundamental desire in the hearts of men and women to be better, to be more in line with what they read in their Bible, what they hear in, in their Sunday sermons. And I, I basically just tailor all of my messages to uh, encourage that exploration. And um, the, that, that's, 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 that's the answer to your question. I love it. I love it. Um, um, I've got one final question for you, and you've been generous enough to stick around for our Patreon members for a little extra content. So thank you to them for making this show happen. You're gonna and thank you to your credit card for allowing me yeah. extra time to take time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, literally. They pay. Fuck they you, help they help pay for this this extended interview. Otherwise, we would have cut off about five ten minutes ago. But um, you like to kick us when we're down, don't you, Zoom? Yeah, Ron. Um, you, you you know, to that point, you're kind of the real tough guy, right? Like, and and a lot of the folks that watch your shows and watch your films and follow you, you know, it's aspirational. They want to be Hellboy. They want to be Optimus Primal. They want to be the guys from Sons of Anarchy. They want to be tough. They want to be. Um, leaders, and you have an ability to kind of capture that feeling. Um, but this is also a time when a lot of people are running for president. Uh, it could be totally disruptive. You know, there, there are new candidates entering almost every day. Uh, and the mayor in New York is in trouble and not popular. I asked you this a couple of years ago, but I'll ask you again because you did, I think, technically or untechnically run for president once before. Will you run for anything. Will you run for mayor of New York as I hope an independent? Yes. No. It's, it's the short answer to that. Um, and I know this for a fact because I did flirt with it enough to know that's not what I want to do. Um, there are people who are way better at administering an organized kind of a society which is, it's so tough and tedious to run a lot of people who are worse too though ron i mean you can't be worse than de blasio adams looks like he's going to be de blasio 2.0 i mean this is you know frankly it's it's a low bar and if it's like you know transformers you you know i know you don't want to do it but maybe your country and the world needs you to do it well i'm doing the best i can paul and i feel as though um my best contribution to um to, I mean, when you run for an office, your influence on people is real, but very limited and very finite in terms of the amount of time that you get to do it. Even if you're president of the United States, mm. you know, and we, we live in a country where, you know, the only reason we got Bush was because of Clinton. The only reason we got Obama was because of Bush. We go like, we do, we do this. Yeah. So whatever it is that, Whatever, whoever, whatever motherfucker comes along and is able to be charismatic enough and capture the imagination and the hearts of men enough is temporary. Mm. What I do is permanent. I mean, this, these conversations with you and I, which are offshoots of some cultural contribution that I happen to be lucky enough to be a part of, which is a movie, which is basically shining a light on all of the excesses of humanity and all of the best parts of humanity. That's what movies do. Mm. Um, and I've said this many, many times. 
when I was a kid growing up in New York, you know, uh, there were million ways to learn how to be a man. But the one, the thing that I learned most of what I wanted to aspire to as a man came from watching movies with my old man. Mm. I learned how to walk like the Duke. I learned how to put up my Dukes like, like Jimmy Cagney. Mm. I learned how to fight for the little guy like Jimmy Stewart. I learned how to be self-sacrificing like Audie Murphy. Mm. You know, I learned the things that are important to to use as my values of how I walk and talk and what my swagger is from the exploration of the humanities. And it comes in many ways, but movies to me have always been the most romantic of all of them because, you know, they're beautiful to watch. They're very moving. They're full of sound and fury. They have tremendous um, narratives, music, all these things. And audiences crave going to a place where they could be moved and maybe even have a catharsis and walk out going, I just feel like I need to make a little bit of an adjustment based on what I saw. Mm. And so I'm in that world already. And then I've chosen to augment it by engaging in social media and letting people know, um, dude, here's, here's where we go off the rails and here's where we don't. And I can't do that as a politician. I don't want to do that as a politician. I, I, want, I, I, I love the lane I'm in and um, I feel like I'm having um, as profound an influence as I ever want to have just doing what I do. You are having a profound influence. I am honored to call you a friend. I was going to ask you if you had a Father's Day message, but I think you kind of gave it, uh, unless there's more you want to add, because Father's Day is coming up. I think it's an important time for us to think about what fatherhood looks like and what real manhood looks like and the humility and the love that you've shown me and, and so many other people, I think is a great example of it. And much of it is a contrast to Trump, who is not only the shittiest president, but seems to be the shittiest father around. Um, but I, I want to thank you for, for all you're doing, man, for your example, for your friendship. I do hope you'll run. I know you won't. If Optimus Primal uh, and maybe Hellboy and, and, and any other characters had a message for America this Father's Day, what would it be? It would be to um, find in, deep in yourself the what what you can do to reach out a hand and pull somebody up and and show them how beautiful life can be um that's what my dad did my dad um put aside his dreams to be a dad and so in in doing so there was this tremendous self-sacrifice and if you know me, Paul, and you know, I just sent you a script about um, something that, you know, I'm hoping to do together with you. Um, to me, the most moving um, single thing that can be explored in any form of literature or music or film or any of the arts or any of our discussions is the concept of self-sacrifice, is the concept of somebody who puts their own safety aside for the greater good. 
And this is why I'm so pissed off at Trump and at the people who have decided to to um, canonize him and use him as a, as a means to to um, manipulate people who aren't having such a good time mm. and and make them angry and make them you know do violent, stupid, ugly things and hate their neighbors. You know, um, I just went off on a tangent and I forgot. No, it's it, man. I think you, I think you buttoned it up well. I mean, I think Trump is useful in that he is the anti-role model. And and I'm able to say to my kids a lot. There's a couple of times when my, my, I said to my son the other day, he lied about something. And I said, you know who lies? Trump. And he and that that gets him. He knows he doesn't want to be like Trump. And in contrast, there are many times where I think Obama was a great role model and and demonstrated love and demonstrated humility and and did the right thing and cared about people. And so it's helpful to have these examples and anti examples that we can point our kids to. But you are a great example and you were very generous to my boy and to my friends. And you always been generous to everybody. And, And New York loves you. America loves you. The world loves you. Congratulations on uh, the, the success of Transformers. I hope they spin it off and do a whole series on Maximals, not just as a fan of the franchise, but as a fan of you, um, but also as a fan of the franchise. I mean, I think it would be a no-brainer for them to fucking launch this off. It's just awesome. And uh, I can't wait to see everything else you do and hopefully to see you again in person, my friend. Very soon, my friend. Thanks for having me on and uh, thanks for your enduring, wonderful uh camaraderie and and collegiality and friendship i love you paul i I look forward to getting the glasses soon thanks man stay vigilant yeah i'll I'll send you the website (laughs) great (laughs) your credit card will come in handy once again (laughs) thanks my friend stay vigilant see you great is Ron Perlman. He is even greater than the very great new Transformers movie, which I highly recommend you check out. I said it in the last episode, but I think it's my favorite Transformers yet. And it's kind of a period piece. It takes you inside 1994 Flatbush, Brooklyn, and has the best hip-hop soundtrack I have ever heard and the best movie soundtrack since Pulp Fiction. It is good stuff. Ron is good stuff. And he is definitely a helper. Always look for the helpers. There were, there will always be helpers. You know, even just on the sidelines. If you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. Check out the hashtag look for the helpers on Twitter and share yours. Tell me who you think the Autobots are in your community that are answering the call. Look for the helpers. They are out there. And like Optimus Prime, I will be recognizing, elevating, and amplifying their work. And they're often young and can make every father proud. And the one I want to tell you about this week comes from our friend Perry Jeffries down in Colleen, Texas. want to send you and your family a big shout out. Love hearing from you, man. But Perry told us about a 10-year-old who is being hailed as a hero for her courageous act in saving her grandfather's life. It comes from WSB in Atlanta. It was the afternoon of June 2nd 
when Glen County police and emergency responders were called to a home on Deer Run Villas in regard to a medical emergency. Police say the caller, identified as Aurora Wananu, told dispatchers her grandfather was unresponsive in the pool. According to the cops, Wananu's grandmother told the police that not only did the 10-year-old call 911, but she reportedly witnessed her granddad falling in the pool and becoming unresponsive. He was face down in the water, in an area where Wananu couldn't get to him or get his head above water. So she told her grandmother not to jump in the water, and moments later instead, she jumped in herself at 10 years old. The cops said she found the inner strength to push her grandfather to the edge of the pool, flip him over, and keep his head above water. Then she jumped out of the pool and called 911. Her grandfather was taken to the hospital, and Aurora was awarded the Citizen's Valor Award for acts of bravery in saving her grandfather's life. The cops said her grandfather is now out of the hospital and felt well enough to attend the ceremony. It's going to be a very happy Father's Day in that family thanks to a brave young helper named Aurora. So look for the helpers. Keep sharing them and posting them. And when you're on social, play guest to guest every Wednesday night. You can get on board and join me and your friends here at Independent Americans every Wednesday night and guest to guest. Lots of you got Rob Sarah last week. So congratulations on that. Also, congratulations are due to Rob's brother, Andrew who is a true model that our kids can look up to. I've met him. He's very generous. He gave my family a tour of his firehouse. He joined the NYPD in 1997 and then transferred to the fire department in 1998. And he retired this week as the captain of Ladder 20 in Soho. He's also published a couple books, including his 9-11 memoir, Finding John the proceeds of which he continues to donate to the Ray Pfeiffer Foundation. So check out Andrew's book and congratulate him on an incredible career of service. He is a helper. So a couple of you got Rob, Sarah. And this week, when Ron Perlman came up, a few of you guessed incorrectly. You missed the mark. Becky, our old friend Becky, did make a guess. She's an avid oiler, two crazy kids, one husband and a fur baby. She guessed Malcolm Nance. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Close, but no cigar, something that Ron loves to smoke. Also, close and no cigar goes to our friend Grace, who also guessed Malcolm Nance, but thank you for playing. A couple of you did get it. Our buddy Dave Medina, who is a husband, a father of four beautiful girls, a Marine Corps veteran, who was born and raised in Michigan, lives in Saginaw, Michigan. He correctly guessed Ron Perlman. Congratulations, Dave, and happy Father's Day to you. And... You know our man is going to come through. He's like our bumblebee of the independent Americans community. He always finds a way to come back and win the day. Aldine Tree Services Stump Grinding and our friend Delfino Sanchez guessed correctly the great and powerful Ron Perlman. He said, such a great guest. And he also said, pod 226 with Rob Sarah was outstanding and full of the five eyes. And he said, your NBA call was spot on. I did predict the Nuggets. I knew they were going to dominate, and it was a heck of a series. And he asked me, who will win the MLB AL East this year? Stay frosty, Delfino. Whew, MLB East. I know I'm rooting for my Yankees, but the Rays and the Baltimore Orioles are really looking tough. Our buddy Wes Moore's Baltimore Orioles are on fire. My Yanks lost to the Mets tonight in extra innings, which was rough. They split the series, the Subway Series, one-to-one. 
and now they are off to Boston. But the AL East and all of Major League Baseball is going to be great. It's going to be really good. But thank you for playing Guest to Guest Delfino, and thank you to all of you. If you want more, you know where to go, independentamericans.us, where you can also get some merchandise last minute and get a late Father's Day gift to the dad in your life. Send your favorite independent dad some independent gear from Righteous Media. That's at independentamericans.us, where you can also support this show. Be a father to great content and join our Patreon community. Shout out to all of our Patreon members, all of you who keep this going. And you heard it in this episode. You actually gave me the money to make this show possible. I need 15 bucks for a Zoom. And thanks to your contributions, we're able to keep this show going. And you're also going to get rewarded with extra content with Ron Perlman. Only our Patreon members get it. And Ron talks about his favorite movies of all time and his very favorite superhero growing up. Check it out if you're a Patreon member at independentamericans.us where you can also see my recent press hits, including my weekly segment on News Nation with Marnie Hughes. We talk about national security, vets, and political news. You can also watch it live at 11.15 Eastern on News Nation, and there's usually a link in the show notes. I'll also continue to be on Deadline White House with MSNBC weekly with Nicole Wallace who I hope will join us on this show soon. I'm scheduled to be on again Friday, tomorrow. If you're listening to this on Thursday, I'm scheduled to be there Friday, but we shall see. And hit me up on social media. Subscribe to this podcast. Please take a minute to do that and share it with your friends. Do all the things. Do all the right things like a good dad would do. Good dads don't take no mess, just like good Americans and just like good independent Americans. And being a dad is simply the greatest honor of my life. It's the most challenging job I've ever had, but the greatest, most humbling, most fulfilling, most inspiring, most educational experience I've ever had. My two boys are just the most amazing little things I've ever seen in my life, and I am honored to be their dad, and I'm grateful to their mother for making it possible and for making every day possible. And we're grateful for every single day. And like the James Brown song says, Papa got a whole lot of heart and Papa would do his part. And that's really what being a dad is all about. Even if you're not a dad, you can be a dad to someone. and You can act like a dad to someone who needs it. And they're out there. They're out there all across this country and they definitely don't get enough credit for simply doing the right thing. Like this guy. So, you know I got two home runs, right? You got two jacks. And then my grand slam, uh, I signed the ball for you. Okay. And, and it the says, date is? Uh, no. I'll put a date down okay. for you. And it says, Papa, I love you. Why did you do that? Because you've taught me everything about baseball. Oh, honey, honey. I'm so sweet. I'll put it right on my, I'll put it right on my, oh, God. That was Just loving them and supporting them. And if you don't have kids, finding some kids you can support because dads and moms are needed now more than ever before. We need dads and moms in this country to step up. 
And we need dads and moms in our independent movement. The future will be full of young independents. And they're going to need the guidance of moms and dads who give a shit. Because independents are the future. And we are not alone in our independence. America is more divided than ever before. But we at Independent Americans and Righteous Media are working to change it. To bring that spirit of dadhood. To add light to contrast all the heat of all the other political division, media, and nonsense. So if you're now among the 50% of Americans who are independent, this is your show. Or if you're a Republican, a Democrat, not a diehard partisan, or even if you are, this is your show. This is a show for everyone who's concerned about the future of their country and wants to be a part of this growing community. Because just like the Autobots and the Maximals, our independent movement is the hope for the future. Country over party, people over politics, light over heat. Blowing up the status quo like a rocket from Bumblebee and fueling a new movement that spans all across our society. Chugging along like Optimus Prime, growing and nurturing like a good dad. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of Ron Perlman. If you did, please share it far and wide and share it with three dads that you know. And share it with any Transformers fans you know. Invite them to declare their independence. And stay vigilant, my friend, because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And hope is the oxygen of democracy. And it's powerful. Like the spark inside an Autobot. And like the love of a father or a father figure. So stay vigilant. And know you're not alone in your vigilance. We are all vigilant. And we're all in this together. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thank you for listening. Down with Putin. Slava Ukraine. Happy Father's Day. And stay vigilant, America. Because Papa don't take no mess. Powered by Righteous Media.